Today's episode is brought to you by Ronin Tattoo at 2615 Broad, the only five-star rated shop in Memphis. Open Tuesday through Saturday, 4 to midnight. Ronin is a judgment-free shop with affordable pricing and high-quality tattoo work. Make your appointment today at RoninMemphis at gmail or call 901-371-6923. Mention OAM and get 10% off. Stay tuned to hear more about our friends at Ronin. TheOAMNetwork.com Power to the podcast. Have you tried anything in London? Have I tried anything in London? No, I'd be too afraid to go up against my own, uh, in front of my own countrymen. Yeah, you have. And then they'll make fun of your accent because you've... you've lost it. <laughs> yeah, it would be a, it would be a disaster. You lose your niche. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but also, when I've been back, it's not there's not it's not been like on the cards. I oh. I've, I don't know any British comedians apart from John Simmons who lived here. So, <laughs> um, that being said. I, uh, I went to a show at the Moth when I, I was back um, in London, which is a club in Hackney. Yeah. And uh, Russell Brand happened to be there. It was it was really bizarre. It was like a really cool show. He wasn't on the show. He was just hanging out. There was, uh, the show was really cool because it was far more character based. And Russell Brand was just sat, stood there with a scarf on kind of flitting his head around, surrounded by a gaggle of women. Of course. Like, yeah. <laughs> what the hell is this? Right. <laughs> Welcome to Dr. Heckle, the science communication podcast that's been ready. My whip been ready. My bitch been ready. My click been ready. My shit's been ready. My check's been ready. My shot's on full. That's Armageddon. On today's episode, an old wives tale about left-handedness, the effect of Skrillex on mating tendencies, and birth control for gorillas. Welcome to Dr. Heck with the science communication podcast that is about as popular as Theresa May's Brexit deal. With me on the show today with a bachelor's in social studies, secondary education from Mississippi State University, comedian Holly Cuomo. Hi. Welcome to the show. With a partially completed radio and television degree from Texas Wesleyan University, comedian Aaron Cheatham. Hello. And with a bachelor's in sports management from Western New England University, comedian Mike Mancusi. What's up? Welcome to the show. And of course, the scientist with the actual PhD, Mr. Naraj Trivedi. Hello. And I'm your host, Mark Brimble. Guys, uh, it is the Memphis Comedy Festival that you are all in town for. How have you been finding it so far? Oh, it's great. I I mean, the thing that's impressed me the most is kind of like the hospitality. Like, clearly, uh, they really care about the comics. You know, everything's like provided, food, transportation, all that. Uh, if you need it, which I do since I flew in. Um, and the shows, like my show last night was great. Uh, yeah, the theater, is, it wasn't full, but it was it was close. Yeah. Like 90%. And they were just super fun. Like, you know, just very into it. Like. It was a great show last night, and then also the one that he did last night was a great show too. The uh, the roast there, the you look like roast or whatever. Yeah, um, how, how did you enjoy that, Aaron? Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, definitely enjoyed. You look like it was a uh, first time doing it, so I uh, I didn't really know what I was getting into, and I didn't write anything. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Beforehand, and then um, 
the night before some of the comedians were telling me like bro you better write something down because you're going against, <laughs> you're going against a white girl and white girls will slay that ass if you don't write something down so like the day of i wrote a bunch of stuff um the day of and and i went out there and did that and it worked out pretty well so i enjoyed myself a lot doing that it was a it was a lot of jokes too yeah a lot of jokes a lot of like jokes 10 minutes around right and it was just one constant. off to the other off to the other a lot of jokes yeah, I hosted in Austin. I host You Look Like in Austin. And the first one, I was like, y'all, it's five minutes. It's yeah. so long. Yeah, You're going to need like 20, 25 jokes. And some people brought 12. <laughs> and they were like, I give up. I that's was like, y'all, there's two like and a half minute minutes and a half. left. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, um, we're done. And I was like, okay. I guess we'll just bend the rules. But no, they're getting better at it. And then I'm going to have Aaron on You Look Like in Austin at some point now that he knows. What he's doing. I can represent, show yeah. them punks down in Austin. How are you supposed to do it? For sure. <laughs> and uh, the show, the, the show itself has recently like uh, come out on Kevin Hart's like LOL network. Mm-hmm. So there's like, I think it's a few more weeks that there'll be an episode released each week. The, so that show has been going on three or four years and like about two years, two, three years ago, the production company recorded like a whole bunch of Memphis comics doing all that. And it's where at at high tone at the PH cafe uh, which um i don't know if you went went there afterwards for the- no i did i wasn't there thursday i know they did an open mic there thursday i wasn't i didn't see it so yeah the PH cafe is typically where the you look like show is hosted huh. and it's you know it's full-on it's madness that's cool that's cool yeah. it was madness in there last night that crowd was <laughs> yeah it felt like WWE crowd or something. <laughs> yeah, no. Chanting and screaming. It was like, oh, man, like yeah. they want blood. That's perfect. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. the perfect crowd yeah. for that type of show. That's Austin perfect. is starting to steadily get like more bloodthirsty. Really? <laughs> it's pretty tight. Like, yeah. Austin's and pretty hoity-toity. Like, no, you look like you'll start hearing people yell shame in the back. And I was like, get it. <laughs> but like, don't ruin my show. But yeah. But yeah, the, uh, it's a small team that puts on the Memphis Comedy Festival made up of comic comics and you know other mm other people kind of associated with it but un, uh it really is uh comic oriented it's you know obviously there's a lot of submissions and they mm. n- narrow it narrow it down or whatever but um it is more designed around like being an actual festival than a lot of uh sim you know other comedy mm. festivals i think are. i don't know if you've had any experiences with uh comedy festivals that you know have been more taking of the submission I think the the trope is that some festivals like take submission money and then don't really do much for the for the comedians. Yeah. Um, no, I don't, I don't know because I don't I don't have a ton of experience here with festivals. This is one of the first ones I've gotten into. I've done a few like competitions and stuff, but um, yeah, I don't know. I know there's just varying degrees. Um, some of them are more scammy than others, um, but I don't know. To me, it's like we all do this because we love it. So. Just so long as like you know the shows are good and and your the comics are treated well, like it's like we don't you know we don't we're pretty easy to to please mm-hmm. you know especially at this level because we don't get paid a ton anyway. So. Yeah, and so uh, what shows have you got left uh, left uh, to do? I just have one at this afternoon, right after this, actually at four twenty. Um, I think it's some kind of topical, like this week jokes or something like that. Uh, I am extremely unprepared. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah i didn't really spend any time writing so i we'll see how it goes 
we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, back back in New York, um, well, what's the what's the specific area uh, of the the city that you're doing comedy and what's the scene like out there? Um, I mean, it's, it, it's as intense as it, as, as it comes, you know, there's comedy everywhere. Like it's kind of a, I think that's kind of the main spot, like in the world for comedy, you know, so everybody moves there. Everybody wants to be there. Like, uh, most of the open mics are like lower East side, but then there's also like a separate Brooklyn scene. Uh, there's a couple up in like Queens area, but, uh, I mostly stick in Manhattan I don't go to Brooklyn probably as much as I should. Uh, I mean, the open mics, you know, it's tough, but it's just other comics trying to work stuff out. So it's very like you got to earn, you got to earn the laughs, uh, and it takes some getting used to. Especially if you started there, like I started in New York, so like it was basically just six months of me going to open mics and just like just bombing my face off. Um, but. It, it makes you learn the art, you know, like I, I didn't know how to write. I think I've always been good at like, I can identify a funny thing or a funny premise, but I had no idea how to write jokes, you know? So like doing the open mics taught me how to write jokes, like how to structure everything. Um, so, I mean, there, there's a ton of open mics, like people get up. I think the way we differentiate from most other cities is that people get up normally at least like 15 times a week, like, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know there's open mics just at bars and stuff and there's all these bar shows and then on, on top of that there's all the clubs um so you know it, it's very intense and it like it, it it's this constant drive that like makes me feel like i need to get better because like if i don't get better i'll you just you'll get lost and just washed over like immediately mm-hmm. um so it's like good in that sense where it's like it's constantly pushing you, but it, it can it can also break you. Yeah, <laughs> like there's a lot of people that it's it's broken. So um, you know there there's also a psychological aspect to it where you have to just be able to put up with the rejection and the you know keep and just keep keep working. Yeah, because there must be thousands of people uh, yeah. milling around, either doing it various amount various degrees. I, uh, I'd, I'd say it's thousands. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say it. it seems endless at times, you know. Um, I think it's thousands. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think it's thousands. It seems like thousands to me. And, uh, and how does that compare, do you think, to, to the Austin scene? Austin is a big comedy scene in its, in its own right. Uh, yeah. what's, what have been your experiences there? Holly, you want to take this? <laughs> sure. <laughs> you, you're, you're out in the scene more than I am. You would think. <laughs> um, so, the Austin comedy scene is like really, really pro female and pro queer, and that's so tight. Um, a lot of people try to book as diverse of a lineup as they possibly can because there's so much to pull from. Um, I don't know. I just I really like some of the things about the Austin scene, like that they take out the trash. <laughs> like if someone is like a really bad person, they have no qualms about just completely just turning their back on them. Unlike um, some other cities an hour south of Austin, but um, <laughs> yeah. My American geography isn't good enough. San Antonio. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I started comedy in San Antonio, and I was just like, Ugh! and then I moved to Austin. Uh, it's still tough. Uh, and there's a bit of industry there, but I don't think it's pretty intense, but not as intense as New York. 
Uh, not that I've ever been to New York, but I can tell. And probably far more intense than Memphis, which on a regular day is a nice little, nice little close knit yeah. community where pretty much everyone gets along. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a lot of uh, there's there's almost an oversaturation of comedy. Like it's getting to that oh, point there's de- where like, oh, mm-hmm. there's definitely a tremendous. <laughs> like I York, see some I of these yeah, like bookers, and I'm just like, who are you? <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't know. And also, like, we, you know, if people can just show up to open mics and do the open mics and they're a comic, you know, like, there's no, like, people are just like, you know, yeah, they show up and you have to put them on because they, they show up and they pay. But, like, yeah. they could just be the worst. Oh, we don't have that patience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have yeah. to we have to pay for our open mics normally. I mean, it's like a drink. Uh, it's never too... I mean, no, some of them run like $10 and stuff. Like, it's you know, it's crazy. That's, um, we're poor. We're mostly poor. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I just, it's one thing that we don't get paid a lot, but the fact that we have, that open micers have to pay to do open mics, it's like, just insane. You know, insane. Um, that is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I don't I, know. I was looking at open mics in Chicago and I saw one. I was like, ooh, I could do this one. And they're like, you have to pay $5. I was like, nah, <laughs> I'm good. I'll just not get better yeah. in a different city. I'm, but prob- no. I'm, I'm probably, I probably just need to do a better. I know there are like free ones out there, but normally they're in like Brooklyn. I probably just have to do a better job of seeking those out. Cause I know I'm sure they're out there. Somewhere. Actually. Yeah. The, in, in the Lower East side. I, so I, I went up to New York a couple of months ago and just for fun, did a couple of uh, open mics. What'd you do? I did a uh, laughing Buddha. I did. Um, what's it What's it called? The uh, uh, heavy metal, was well, precious, pre- metal precious, precious metal, precious metal, yeah. and uh, one that was somewhere else in. Is it Manhattan? No, pre- no, all, in all, all of the stuff yeah. in Bro- Brooklyn. Okay. You, I don't think you have to pay for any of the Brooklyn. Ones. Yeah, yeah, I think most. Yeah, so maybe it's a me problem. <laughs> I, gotta, <laughs> I gotta go find the, the free mics. You just hate um, money. I just I live in I live in Manhattan and I do I I'm a, I go to the comic strip a lot which is all the way on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, so like for me to like go to all the way to Brooklyn and then have to go all the way back it's you know it's it's a lot of a lot of moving around. Um, you probably pay in travel what you'd have paid for. Uh, like. Yeah, well I don't know. Well, I have like a monthly subway pass, oh, okay. but it's it's just a lot of time you know it's like i know it's one city but to get from the upper east side to brooklyn can take you an hour, like an hour maybe even more than that sometimes like and holly we're sitting here going i'm not driving up to north austin that's not happening like yeah a lot of people if it's like 15 miles away people are like nah, nah. <laughs> nah north austin uh have an idea for a podcast? Email info at theoamnetwork.com today and pitch your podcast. Memphis, if you're looking for a judgment-free shop to get your first or next tattoo, look no further than Ronin Tattoo at 2615 Broad. Owner Babak has been in the business for decades. Located in the heart of Broad Avenue Arts, his boutique shop Ronin is known for its relaxed atmosphere and talented, versatile group of artists. They also have an eclectic collection of comics and toys for sale, and the background music runs the gamut from black metal to 80s hair. Ronin has developed a cult following over the past as the only five-star rated tattoo shop in the city. Here are some of the things that people are saying on Facebook about Ronin, where it's been recommended by almost 200 people. A true professional, talented beyond belief. No better artist anywhere. 
that made getting my first tattoo a pleasurable experience. I've gone to three other local artists, but the ones at Ronin are my favorite. The tattoo gods smile upon Ronin. Come see Babak or Carlos Tuesday through Saturday from 4 p.m. to midnight. Limited walk-ins available. Shop minimum 60 bucks. Make your appointment via email at roninmemphis at gmail.com or head to their Facebook, Ronin Design and Manufacturing or call 901-371-6923. That's 901-371-6923. Friends of the OEM Network get 10% off their tattoo no matter the size. Call today. Welcome back to Dr. Hacker. We move on to our news item of the week. Today's article comes from Newsweek. And uh, the title of the article is Religious People Live Healthier, Longer Lives While Atheists Collect Mutant Genes. This is an article from 2017. Uh, what do you guys think about, about that from the title? Can I call bullshit? Uh, you can totally if you want to. Yeah, I call bullshit on that. All right. Uh, what, what do you guys think? X-Men comes to mind. Yeah, sounds legit. I've yeah. seen movies before where that's the case. I don't believe in God. I have superpowers. <laughs> so there, there is a uh, correlation that has been previously shown between people ha- having religious, uh, people de- uh, define themselves as religious and the average age that they will live to. Uh, but this, is, this article specifically refers to a study done by the Ulster Institute of Social Research by this guy, Edward Dutton. And uh, he said, so he says, maybe the positive relationship between religiousness and health is it's not causal. It's not that being religious makes you less stressed and less ill. He thinks that uh, religious people are a genetically normal remnant population from pre-industrial times and that those who are atheists are mutants or have a higher mutation load who would have died as children back then. That sounds so, fucking dumb. So Aaron, you, you originally called bullshit. Mike, you're squinting your eyes. I feel like you're on you're on the verge of calling bullshit. No, I'm totally on board. <laughs> I think atheists are totally mutants. That that make that I'm I'm with it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the the what what I stated was the the previous thing between the causalness is why why a religious person might live longer. It was thought you know you have a a greater support network. Uh, socialization is important. Uh, for living long and healthy lives and so if you're going to somewhere every week uh to and you have a social support network that could be a factor if you um if you are uh engaging in you know any kind of religious experience which is you know akin to meditation or akin to you know self-reflection it that has been shown to uh, potentially lower stress levels uh None of it is is shown as a completely uh, causal thing, but the issue here is this particular study um, by by this guy uh, Edward Dutton is not in any way scientific. It, it is crazy that this has been published in Newsweek, and indeed it was picked up by Yahoo News. Basically, what this guy has is, has taken is the uh, correlation that we know exists between religious belief and a greater life expectancy and applied his own theory to it based on very, very, well, it would be overstated to even say scant data, to be basically uh, 
based on nonsense. Like coincidences. Yeah, so he, his thesis is that, you know, uh, since the Industrial Revolution, people who would not have survived uh, previously can survive now. And that is true, that people who would not have survived can, uh, can survive now. But that has nothing to do with, uh, there's no way you can link that to the rise of atheism. The uh, rise of atheism is, atheism is a completely separate thing. And uh, this is, uh, the way that he claimed this thesis was uh, he tested for left-handedness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Classic. Yeah? My, my grandma, devil. my used to, my grandma, yeah, my grandma used to, if my brother was doing something left-handed, she used to smack his hand. <laughs> That's a sign of the devil. He's using your left hand. And so, he, yeah, t- they tested for left-handedness among religious people and et- atheists and uh left-handedness is from what he was saying is a good marker for a high mutational load and said there was a higher level of left-handedness in the atheists versus followers of most religions those left-handers are freaks i've always been freaked out by left-handers there's a lot of left-handers that's why i'm unsuccessful no um that's that's such a weird comparison i know it's like a like mike was saying it's like a religious thing um, a lot of people don't like it when you're left-handed. Didn't the Greeks used to throw, like, kill the kids that were left-handed or something or some? Oh, I don't know about that, but that, that might be true. Throw them in a big hole, right? And uh, like this yeah. is Sparta. Yeah, because yeah. the the word for left in a lot of Latin languages, you know, in I think it's in Italian is sinistra, which you yeah. know, sinister, sinister. Yeah. based on a. Okay, even in the Bible, you know how like the phrase "turn turn the other cheek." It's because in the Bible, you can only hit one way, and it was a right. With your right hand, you would have to backhand somebody. If you turned the other cheek and showed them that side, you were, like, challenging them because the only way they could slap you was with their left hand, but that was considered, like, no, no. Like, you couldn't hit somebody with your left hand because you would be considered, like, weak, or I don't want to say the R word, but, like, that's what they considered you. Like, they considered you deformed if you, like, hit with the left hand so so the crazy thing is that this paper that this guy created and it was the numbers of people that were used were again it so low that you couldn't even pick up a statistical what year is this study this uh this is from 2017 and it was published in evolutionary psychological science and uh the bizarre thing is this is a springer uh journal Mm. so springer is one of the main publishers so Typically, like real. typically in, sci- in science, you know, you have these predatory publications. You have junk, si- junk science journals, which uh, en- anything you submit could be accepted. People have tested this by, like, submitting computer-generated random words to these fake journals, and they will get accepted. But this is, a, this is a, technically a real journal published by a journal article published by a real um, company that is specialized in this. And has promoted basically a completely junk si- uh, junk science article with a completely flawed hypothesis uh, study and conclusion. It just sounds to me like religious like propaganda. Like it's just like you know, religious people being like, yeah, if you don't believe in God, then you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get leprosy or whatever. And, and like it's just yeah. You know. And one of the one of the insane things is is. 
articles like this are very uh, news friendly. You know, uh, it's the sort of thing that always gets picked up as a headline. So, like I said, it was published in Newsweek and the, the author specifically reached out to Newsweek. Uh, Yahoo News, which I know it wasn't, it uh, wasn't even in 2017, 2017 that great or mm. that like prominent of a news source, but Not it's still but what we would call a major publication and uh, psychology today. And then, of course, it gets tweeted out and it gets like put into the, uh, you know, into the popular uh, knowledge sphere or whatever. Yeah, but I feel like people are finally starting to not go for those clickbaity titles. You know, that's just like, a, to me, that's just like a clickbaity thing. Like, they just want people to read that because it sounds like, you know, oh, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, ooh, you'll never know what, you know, is crazy about atheists. You know, like, I, I don't know. I feel like, like, clickbait titles started a few years ago, and I think people are starting to finally, like, realize that they're all bullshit. Um, but like that, that to me is just like a something for clicks for, you know, for. And, and so if the study was done properly, because his the whole thesis and conclusion is atheists have a higher mutational load. What you would want to do if you wanted to prove that would be to study the mutational load. All he did was like okay. say, oh, left handedness is linked with a higher level of mutation. In this particular set of samples, we found more pe people, we found more people were left handed. If they'd actually sequenced the genomes. They could have seen whether there was a higher mutational load. Yeah. <laughs> is left-handed oh. genetic or is there a preference? Um, I, th I, it's, it's genetic. I think it's genetic. It's nice. Uh, it's nice sitting down with you scientists for a while because, like, it's funny how like my argument is just like that's fucking stupid, bro, <laughs> and you're just like, yes, the genomes and the. That's good. I guess science is good for society. Um, so fortunately, this article uh, hasn't, whilst it got published in the news or in, in specific news sources, hasn't really been uh, favoured in the scientific literature. It's only been cited one time one, uh, since then, which was in another paper that the same author put out. So he cited himself. Oh, that's his legit. Own, he's plugging his own yeah. show. So uh, this week for just a, a bizarre and overarching failure of a scientific article we have to dub edward dutton and newsweek fake newsweek oh, i was about to say name him name him <laughs> who is this fraud who probably went to more school fake newsweek huh yeah did you write that yourself uh <laughs> that's <was> pretty clever <laughs> let ohm help you get the word out on your service product or endeavor Email info at theoamnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Doc Tackle podcast. We move on to our journal article where we explain a piece of scientific literature to our guests and have them attempt to understand it and explain it back to us. Today's article comes from the journal Actotropica from the Institute of Biodiversity and Environmental Conservation, Conservation at the University of Malaysia. The first author is Hamadi Dieng. The anchor author is Nopuan Morales, and the title of the article is The Electronic Song, Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites Reduces Host Attack and Mating Success in the Dengue Vector Edes Egypti. From the title alone, what do you guys pick up? It's a long-ass title. Yeah. <laughs> like they can couldn't have... understand Can you reread re that? Yeah. I'll, I'll reread yeah. it. I'll read it. The Electronic Song... Scary monsters and nice sprites, in quotation marks, 
reduces host attack and mating success in the dengue vector Aedes aegypti. So it helps. So this song helps animals fuck. Sorry, kids. No, that's 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 all right. Um, you can swear in front of Naraj's kids. Cool, Dad. It sounds um, like it's helping something not attack the thing that's helping them have sex. Okay, so uh, kind of this. Yeah, all those words that. sounded like euphemisms for like genitals. This <laughs> all, all those words. So uh, Niraj has picked out this article today, and so he's funny. <laughs> he's gonna. It is pretty funny, and he is going to explain it All right. uh, to you guys. So take it away. All right. So um, this study is basically looking at uh, different ways of um, controlling mosquitoes. So um, the Aedes aegypti <sighs> are mosquitoes, virus. and they uh, they transmit several different diseases. They're a vector for Zika and dengue amongst other things, this particular uh, mosquito species is. And so commonly what people use is um, insecticides for them. And there's been an increased resistance to the four different types of insecticides that they use. And then there's other issues with insecticides is like they are affecting the ecosystem. And so people have been a bit more reticent to use them. And so they're looking for more environmentally friendly ways. So um, this study is um, trying to figure out how they can manipulate the behavior of mosquitoes, right? Um, I'm down with that. Yeah. I hate mosquitoes. Everyone does. Completely useless. So they are actually going to use an equally useless (laughs) form of music to to try and control. That That sounds objective. I mean, that sounds right. biased. You well, you're saying it, it sounds subjective until you say the name of the, the artist. Uh, it's a song by Skrillex. It's dubstep music. So okay, the, don't be biased. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just messing. If I was really mean, I would have said something about K-pop because my daughters are in the... <laughs> K-pop's great. Yeah. <laughs> Blackpink, Momoland. I got you, girls. Yeah. It's a Blackpink and a B2K fan here, so... Um, if I was really mean, I would have said something about that, but I'm not. <laughs> um, so basically, um, mosquitoes, these particular mosquitoes, they, um, there's the frequency harmonics are very important to their life cycles. So, um, uh, for them to reproduce, the male mosquitoes and the female mosquitoes need very specific wave frequencies, uh, their wings to be in very specific wave frequencies, and they need to harmonize with each other uh, in order to um, mate. And the way the, the, way the uh, life cycle works is they only need to mate once, like one male, one female, only need to mate once, and then the female stores the sperm for the rest of its life. And then whenever it feeds on blood, it then inseminates, it uses the sperm to inseminate the eggs because then it has enough energy. And then it produces more larvae. And so obviously the, and when it feeds, that's also when the vectors, uh, the diseases can be uh, transferred between the vectors. So from the host to the mosquito and back again. And 
like a virus like a virus virus yeah like dengue or the zika virus can then uh, go from host to mosquito and vice versa but in these mosquitoes it also um gets transferred during sex as well it's also sexually transmitted disease nice. in them. We're so, MSTDs. right yeah like armadillos so. and leprosy mm-hmm. that's great wait what armadillos can give people leprosy humans all right okay yeah i'll never i'll i'll never need to I don't think I'll ever encounter an armadillo. Do you you guys have like armadillos? There are armadillos yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. There are oh, armadillos. Shit. God damn. Now, now I'm gonna <laughs> right. get mauled by an armadillo. Right. As soon as just, I leave here. just for irony. <laughs> Wait, well, just, exactly. just, just make this comedy. ironic. <laughs> yeah. Just one, just waiting outside. I heard that. I heard him talking shit. I heard him talking shit about armadillos. Yep. Let's go. But what are they like as animals? They just roll in a ball when they get scared, or they jump really? up when they see a car. And they pretty much always uh, reproduce in multiples of four. Uh, <laughs> so four, eight, twelve. <laughs> Sixteen, I believe it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so back to this. Um, so um, what they thought they would do is try and disrupt these harmonics between males and females and see if they could affect uh, how these mosquitoes can then mate with each other and also if they can really mess them up so they don't even bite or reduce the amount of times they bite and stuff due to noise. And so they they decided to choose Skrillex, the song, um, what was it? Scary, Monst- Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites because when they looked at the waveform, it was scientifically, it was noisy. Was it just like really erratic or just loud? It has, uh, they say that um, the song was characterized uh, as noisy uh, because it um, progressively gets, uh, the sound pressure increases progressively in its waveform uh, throughout the song and it continually rises in pitch. So it was very disruptive, and it also works uh, really well with the frequencies that they were looking at, which was around, um, I believe, 600 hertz and 1,000 hertz. I could just see, like, the swamp just, like, yeah. <laughs> banging the Skrillex. Six, if there's a, 600 and 400 There's hertz. a lot less mosquitoes. Does that affect the ecosystem? I don't, like, do they have any effect on, like, anything at all? Uh, they're basically, I mean... I have this argument all the time with my daughters because they're like, what's the point of mosquitoes? It, they're not a good food source. So some people yeah. say they're a good food, food like source, but they're very yeah. they're very small. Um, <laughs> I've not, yeah. Small I've, amount of bird food frogs. source. Oh, I see. <laughs> um, but um, they're essentially just carrier, carriers for diseases <laughs> is, is all they're good oh, for. Oh, so they're population <laughs> That's what they're here for. Got it. Okay. So this the experiments that they did was super easy. They they um they just basically put put a hamster in a thirty by thirty by thirty box, and uh, the hamster was restrained in the middle. Then they put in ten virgin females and one virgin male that had been food starved for twelve hours. So. These mosquitoes have been shown that if you starve them for food for 12 hours, then they um, they actively start searching for food. So their their hunger response kicks in. They then um, left 
uh, they didn't observe their behavior for a 10 minute uh, window, either with or without music. And they tried to eliminate all other noises. In those, there was one line that said, um, the assistants were asked to not produce any other noise during the procedures. And like, okay, specific. <laughs> right. If you do, then you have to start all over again. <laughs> um, so basically what they did was they looked at response times. So how long does it take for the mosquitoes to notice that there's a hamster in the, in the cage with them? With the music on, um, it took them... Uh, where is it? Uh, there was a delayed response with the music on, uh, where it took them 131 seconds to find it, uh, whereas without the music, it only took them 35 seconds to find the um, the hamster. They then tested how often uh, did they visit the hamster, like how often did they land on them, and again with the music on, uh, the they only uh, visited 82 times in the 10-minute period, uh, whereas without the music, it was 191 times. Um, then they looked at how often did they feed on uh, of the hamster. And with the music on, they only fed, uh, where is this, uh, seven times in the entire 10 minutes, but without the music, it was 11, 11 times. So each, if you only had 11 mosquitoes in there in the first place, like within the 10 minutes, all of them had visited the hamster and fed on it by the 10 minute period, but only seven of them had visited and fed on it if you had Skrillex playing in the background. So you don't get rid of... Right, you don't, but you reduce it. But it sounds like it's just the music's just making them dizzy, and they can't. Find yeah, them. Right. Like they just, yeah. So maybe they just don't like. So they do say the problem, a bit no. about that. But the most interesting find that they had was they actually stopped them having sex to hmm. only zero point nine. Uh, they only saw they they repeated the experiment eleven times each time, and out of. The, on average, they only saw them have sex 0.9 times in the 10 so minutes. Like not even one. Right. Or maybe <laughs> once out of 11. And 10 times out of the 11. So they, in one of them, none of them had sex at all during, uh, whilst Critics oh. was playing. But if they weren't playing it, then they would have it at least five times in the 10 minutes. So the one male would have sex five times. So what you're saying is Skrillex playing is a turn off, right? Yeah, yeah. and in the bedroom, yeah, <laughs> and um, and that's kind of important because, like, the way you would control the disease is like you want them to have sex less so that the the density of mosquitoes is reduced, and so they were saying that this could form as a part of some kind of treatment not treatment um a what's the word prevention of um uh, controlling the uh, the mosquitoes uh, population by if they play these certain frequencies um in areas where there are a lot of mosquitoes you could foreseeably reduce population sizes 
and then they they do mention that they've uh, there are other studies that have shown the same kind of thing in insects where like uh, they use acdc back uh, back in black to um make certain mosquitoes eat less uh, or certain beetles as well like it it's a it's a whole insect thing there the vibrations are really important to how they interact with the world and so certain types of music uh, would actually interfere with how how they eat or how they have sex or how they um, even interact with each other so ant-man could be real right yeah <laughs> okay because he controls the ants with sound frequency. That's fine. So, uh, is that, that I guess that's, that's, that's the study. Whole, it, was, it was a really simple study, but I just thought it was funny that they used Skrillex. <laughs> Do you guys think you took that in? Yeah. You can explain yeah. it back. Uh, I can empathize. I've never wanted to bang the Skrillex either. <laughs> so I, uh, I know how they feel, you know? Um, so, so, so to keep the mosquitoes away, all we have to do is just be blasting Skrillex all the time. Right. right. Yeah. You'll need this summer. You'll need to hook up your sonar speakers into your gardens and just blast Skrillex. <laughs> and then when the neighbors ask, you just say, "Oh, I don't want any sex in the backyard." Yeah. And I'm trying to. <laughs> it's a population control like you're experiment. Neither human nor <laughs> no. insect <laughs> or any mammal, anything. That's. <laughs> I like the I like to check the source. Is that are you sure that wasn't like Skrillex manager that put that article? Right, out? he had a <laughs> that had an argument. Just trying to Maybe just the mosquitoes like, were dancing too much and they didn't have time to think about sex or right. writing people. There's they too many to, drugs involved yeah. <laughs> to listen to. That. They just went into rave mode and they're like, "Oh, do I have to bite people? Nah, this yeah. is good." Yeah, maybe once they hear Skrillex, they all do Molly, and then oh wait, no, they'd be <laughs> they'd be fucking more though, right? If that they were on Molly, I guess. So I don't know. Uh, maybe. Not that I've ever done it. <laughs> Seems to be a thing. And, and, uh, and that brings us to the uh, close of the show. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming here to learn the science. Uh, you do, of course, as all my guests do, get a chance to uh, get, present a fact to me and Naraj that we might not know and uh, flip the tables on us. So uh, I'm going to start with uh, you, Mike. Do you have a uh, fact for me today? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Before this, I googled interesting facts, and the first article said, interesting facts if you want people in the room to think you're the funniest person ever. So, of course, I was going to read that. <laughs> and You think the, you were targeted for that one? Yeah, yeah, it, know, it knows me, Google, the Google bot. Uh, and the, the fact, one of the facts was uh, me, human birth control also works on gorillas. So that now I'm the funniest person in, ever oh. because I because of that fact. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, what? that makes because it's completely worthless, and I don't see any. I, I don't see. Laugh. Yeah, I don't get. Well, because it wasn't a joke. You know, I don't get. I don't get how they. It was clickbait. That was, <laughs> they got <laughs> see clickbait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you want to be funny, learn some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Raise your game. That, yeah, that, well, that, yeah, that's how they know how to get comics. You know. <laughs> They get us right in the insecurity. It's the future oh, comedy, man. Funny? In five years, comedy would just be you going up and listing a thing, things that are true. <laughs> it's, that, isn't that observation comedy? <laughs> it's true. Uh, and uh, Holly, do you have a fact for me today? Yeah, I'm going to ask you a question first. The tables have turned. Oh. Do you know what the largest and heaviest known eagle in the world is? Oh, I'm going to... Mm. Because it's not going to be the bald eagle, right? 
I don't know. Uh, What's your answer? The bald eagle. Yeah. <laughs> Is it because we're in America? <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I don't know any other eagle. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. Um, it's actually the Philippine it's eagle. The Philippine eagle. <laughs> yeah, it's also called the monkey eating eagle. That's oh. how big it is. Why? It, how, how did it get I'm that? I'm gonna name? go six foot wingspan. Okay. Well, I, I don't. You can probably translate this. Eight, 184 to 220 centimeters, and a body mass of 4.5 kilograms to 8 kilograms. And it's been observed eating monkeys. Yeah. Oh man. In the rainforests. That is unsettling. I have. Yeah. I, I. I'm unsettled. Like, by I like. <laughs> I like cool birds. I'm, I'm a big nerd for cool birds. I think it, birds are sweet. It doesn't have the longest wingspan, but it's just like it's a stocky Polynesian bird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean he's eating the fuck out of monkeys at yeah. the stocky ass bird. Yeah, he's in Indiana Jones at the Temple of Doom yeah. kind of bird. And I mean, uh, he's getting his protein. Yeah. <laughs> a monkey's worth of protein. <laughs> it's going to be stocky. Yeah, that's <laughs> and a uh, great fact. And uh, Aaron, do you have anything to match that? That was a yeah, maybe. I don't know if it's going to match a fucking monkey eating eagle. But uh, did you know that Abraham Lincoln? Uh, survived an assassination attempt two years before he was actually assassinated. I I didn't. Make yes. It. What was the attempt? You know? So it was in 1863, August of 1863. He was riding his horse at his ranch, and uh, people heard a gunshot. And Abe's horse took off running. He gets back to the crib, and his hat had fallen off. When his guards went out to find his hat, they found his hat with a bullet hole in it. Was he wearing the tall one? Yeah. Oh, man. That assassin was such a... An idiot. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll shoot him while he's on a horse. You know what I mean? The easiest getaway. Yeah. <laughs> Harvey Oswald had it right. Wait, Harvey. O- uh, yeah. Harvey, Harvey Oswald. Oswald. Yeah. yeah, he just walked was, up yeah. on him. It was like this like, is how I'll get him while he's sitting William down Bates. like an idiot. Yeah. Well, that's what you do after you shoot at a guy several times on a horse. You're like, yeah. you know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna walk up on him. <laughs> yeah, a moving target yeah. is so much easier. Wasn't Beef the one that shot? John oh, John Wilkes Booth. I know it's yeah. a three-name thing. No. Yeah, Harvey oh. Oswald was JFK, right? Or They're supposedly all... JFK, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't oh, know. yeah. yeah. I don't want to be English. I should know this now, but no. what was the Martin Luther King guy? It was uh, Jesse Jackson? Jackson? The three. The, the, the one guy that, killed that, him? that killed Martin Luther King. We're <laughs> talking about assassin. Uh, uh, Billy, I, Billy Ray King. That's what I said. Yeah. No. No. Billy... I used to know this. I was actually at the Civil Rights Museum. Oh, that's why I looked at you, not because you're black, because you went but there. They don't, <laughs> I, I was sick and I went home. Oh, okay. So I don't know because I went home. Okay, you didn't finish the tour. I did not. I did finish the tour, but I don't even know if they said his name. Billy Ray something. James that. Earl Ray. James, James Earl Ray. Ray. Okay, and so the, re- the reason I should know that uh, is there's this race in East Tennessee, the Barkley Marathons, which is like the hardest. It's it's the hardest race in existence. I think like 16 people have completed over the past 30 years. And it was set up by this guy in uh, like 30 years ago to make fun of James Earl Ray's escape attempt from Brushy Mountain Prison, which is in those mountains. And in 60 hours, he was found like eight miles away. And the dude was like, well, I could run a hundred miles in that time. So he made this like 120 mile and it's like all through, it's all through the mountains, just like up and down, up and down. 
and it's a 120 mile race and you have 60 hours to complete it, i.e. the amount of time it took for James Earl Ray to be found. Jesus Christ. Did uh, you try it? I didn't do the that one. That's impo- okay. It's pretty much impossible to get into. They only have 40 people each year, but I did. The same guy organizes uh, in the same area, like a one day race. Oh, okay. Uh, that's like 50 kilometers. Yeah, I, saw I did that one. That one yeah. I did that one. Mm-hmm. It was great. That's an interesting tradition. Yeah. Interesting tradition. So if it's 120 mm. miles and 60 hours, how many miles an hour is that? I don't want to math. Uh, it's two. Two miles an hour. But the terrain is so crazy that only 16 people have finished it in the past. <laughs> well, I don't, yeah, I don't think anybody, that was 120 miles for fun. <laughs> I mean, two miles an hour, so everybody sees you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I look fly. Yeah, summertime. No. Yeah, summertime. Yeah, yeah I got it. When, when I finished, <laughs> it's just me and you. No, yeah. When I finished the full classic, I went back to the hotel room and threw away all my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you totally. Was, Did you have gloves on as well? Because yeah. you had to. Oh yeah, because so one part of the race, you go straight up one of those, you know, power line cuts you see through the mountains. Like yeah. it's just power lines that just go straight up yeah. to the mountain. We had to, so you have to go up one of those and then it turns like, turns like off and it's all covered in like brambles with thorns. Like there's no path up there and they just tell you to go straight up. So I had to wear like gardening gloves or whatever as I was like climbing up this mountain. Well, how did he do it? He did Why that? did you do that to yourself? Yeah. It's kind of like a sadomasochistic, you know, uh, yeah. seeing what you can do. Because he's a Brit. Sounds I mean, pretty masochistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you not noticed the Brits have like an affinity for... Masochism. Like, look at Brexit. I just, I, oh honestly, man, yeah. look at Brexit. Like they I keep yeah. my focus on New Zealand um, and just their rugby team down there. That's it. New Zealand are killing it right now. <laughs> I know. But uh, they're the envy of every <laughs> every government right now. <laughs> I'm gonna go on my honeymoon there. I'll be tight. Well, I want to. I'm just. I need to get a better job. But uh, but thank you guys uh, for coming on the show. This is uh, this has been great. Um, I will, of course, give you the chance to plug what you've got going on. Uh, anything you want to plug, uh, Mike? You got anything going on? Yeah, I produce a show. Uh, I don't know if you have Manhattan listeners, but I produce a show at the Comic Strip uh, every couple of months. I have my next one coming up in two weeks. It's April eighteenth at the Comic Strip, which is on the Upper East Side, of Manhattan. Um, yeah, I, I always focus on quality for my show. I make sure I have a good, diverse lineup that is also all great comics. Um, you know, I I have a I charge a cover. It's like five bucks, which the the people I get on are worth more than that. Like you know, most other shows are running like twenty twenty five bucks for uh, the cover. Um, but yeah, I mean my my shows. It's like the fourth time I'm running it, and it's you know I've I've gotten. I think at least a hundred every time. I think there was one where I was at like eighty-five, but um, so it's been good. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Great pro tip for anybody listening: um, if someone charges five dollars for a show and they're like a pretty good person, that show's gonna be real good. <laughs> it's gonna be worth it. Yeah, because I also charge five dollars for my show. I used to charge five dollars for Guns and Giggles. Like, yes. yeah, that's a good. That's, yes. Yeah, if it's just a way 10, to weed out the people that yeah. aren't like paying attention. Yeah, if yeah. they charge 10, it's just like, mm, maybe. And if they charge more than that and they don't feed you dinner, you can just do you, don't buy it. Do you have a drink a drink minimum at all your like, clubs and nope. venues and well, stuff? No. Yeah, the clubs, the yeah. Big the big club, club has a two-drink minimum. Yeah, see, New York is like pretty standard. Normally, it's at least like a drink. Yeah, but uh, the venue that I host, 
you look like in Austin, Texas, Kickbutt Cafe uh, doesn't have a drink minimum. Uh, I actually don't even charge for my show. Uh, the way I make money is I beg people. <laughs> and uh, the they're just everybody who comes is really, really nice. And they donate to the comics. I have like a fun auction at the end of the show. And so mm-hmm. people will like pay like 30 bucks for like a doo-doo pack of toilet paper and stuff. It's pretty fun. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I host You Look Like in Austin, um, has revolving co-hosts and a really diverse lineup. And then I have a web show called Poor People, spelled P-O-R-E, Poor. And we do Korean face masks. And um, uh, we just talk about uh, first world <laughs> problems and skincare. That's great. And uh, Aaron, what would you like to plug? Um, check out my podcast. I have two podcasts, uh, the Black and Tan podcast and then the Nation of Doom podcast, which is like a a wrestling podcast, wrestling and MMA. Um, check them out, soundcloud.com slash black and damn podcast. You can find all our stuff there. Perfect. Nice. All right. Thank you guys for coming on the show. Oh, thanks, thanks for having me. You've been great guests. Yeah. And uh, that's everything. So uh, good, good. good night. Good night. Bye. Thanks again to our sponsor, Ronin Tattoo, hands down the best shop in the city. For a judgment-free atmosphere and the highest quality tattoo work, visit our friends at Ronin and mention OAM when booking your appointment and get 10% off your tattoo. Call 901-371-6923 or email roninmemphis at gmail.com. Dr. Heckle is an OAM Network production, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and theoamnetwork.com. Recorded at the Crosstown Concourse in Memphis, Tennessee. Your host was Mark Brimble and Naraj Trevetti. Guests were Holly Como, Aaron Cheatham, and Mike Mancusi. The show is produced by Mark Brimble and Gil Worth. Music by Kip Yulhorn. Special thanks to Lauren Riggins and the Surf Memphis Podcast. Find us on our Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or if you have any questions, comments, or would like to get in touch about appearing on the show or topics you'd like us to cover, email us at drhecklepod at gmail.com. TheOAMNetwork.com Power to the podcast.